Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Often, we assume that the best gifts are the most expensive gifts. Truth be told, the greatest gift ever is also the costliest gift ever. Jesus humbled himself to put on human flesh, to live among us, to suffer and die a painful, undeserved death. An execution, really, and offers us his killer's life, life abundant, and life eternal. He is indeed the greatest Christmas gift ever. It's the cross, isn't it? I want you to consider with me the stress of Calvary. Of the stress of Gethsemane, really, before you ever get there. As Jesus is going there to the garden, he brings three of his disciples a little bit further than the rest of them. Three of them maybe that he feels like he could count on more than the others. You know, but then to say, you stay here and you pray and I'm going on ahead and I'm going to pray. You know, it's in the gospel of Luke that we discover that Jesus, as he's in the garden of Gethsemane, begins to sweat great drops, he says, like blood. I think it's no accident that it's Luke, the physician, who shares with us this physical anomaly where a person's sweat glands begin to blend with those blood vessels. When that person is under such stress that death is imminent, you know, death was so close to Jesus before he ever got to Calvary. Sometimes it was because of the enemies. You know, there was a, there was a point to where they tried to push Jesus over a cliff. And Jesus just walked out right in the midst of them. There was a time where Jesus' own brother said to him, I guess you're going to Jerusalem. No, I'm not going to Jerusalem right now. I'm not going to Jerusalem because the crowd's there and all the crowd wants to do is to kill me. There's plenty of opportunities like that. The Bible says that, they, that the Pharisees began to search out opportunities to destroy Jesus. That's why they put it in the heart of Judas to give him just a few coins if he would turn him over. So there's plenty of times before the cross, before Calvary, that Jesus has, I mean, he's on death's door. There's nowhere that he's closer than in the garden. It's not because of threat. The mob with their clubs and swords have not come to the garden at this point. It's just Jesus and the Father. It's just Jesus beginning, I think, maybe to fully begin to realize what it means to bear the sin of the world. The stress that he was under. He's ready to die right there in the garden. I'm not so sure, but that when he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I'm not so sure that he's not saying, Father, don't let me die right here. Don't let me die in the garden. This is too soon. I've got to get to the cross. Nevertheless, 
This, if, this, if this is where it's going to happen, this is where it's going to happen. I think Jesus is singularly, singularly minded to make it to the cross. It's the stress that he's about to, for what he's about to go under. So number two, it's not just the stress in Gethsemane, it's the suffering at Golgotha, the suffering that's there at the cross. I mean, there's the physical suffering. You know, the physical suffering that he has already endured. He's already been to the point of death in the garden. Now, Pilate trying to appease the crowd and soothe his conscience and, uh, and, and, and at least kind of give a, a, a nod toward his wife who's given him the word of warning. He has Jesus beaten, stripes on his back. Surely would have nearly killed Jesus that way. The physical suffering of having your flesh ripped. You know, sometimes we think of whipping. I, I, think of the, I think of the lion tamer at the circus. He's got that long whip, you know, and he goes around for show and he snaps that bullwhip. Pow! And you know it hurts because you remember when your little brother, your little sister wound up that towel and popped you. That was bad enough, right? It's not a bullwhip. This is a whip that has multiple lashes. That has tied into the ends of it broken pieces of glass, pieces of metal, pieces of rock. Pieces just like hooks, just like you would use in hunting. Pieces that are going to be ripped into the back of Jesus and then severely ripped as it's torn out. Suffering that Jesus had before the cross was bad enough. And you think about that spot right there on your wrist. That spot right there between those two bones. That spot right there before you get to the wrist. And you think about a spike being driven there and all the way through. I'm a tenderfoot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like going outside without my shoes on. I usually go, oh, ow, oh, ow. I can't imagine a spike being driven through my overlapped feet. I can't imagine the thorns on his brow. I can't imagine them plucking the hairs out of his beard. I can't imagine them striking him in the face and saying, okay, prophet, who did that one to you? The suffering that Jesus experienced on Golgotha was an expression of his love, but it's also an expression of the cost. Remember the Jews going before the Romans and saying, hey, Sabbath is coming. We don't, we don't want these bodies hanging up here through the Sabbath. You know, we don't want to ruin a good church service by killing people. You know? So let's just go ahead and get the killing part out of the way, and then we can have church. Do you remember them being surprised when Jesus is already dead? The other two aren't dead yet. That's why the soldier takes the spear and thrusts it through his side. 
just to make sure that he's gone. The suffering of Jesus at the cross is a suffering that's born out of love and a suffering that offers you eternal life. It's the greatest gift at the greatest cost. There's one more I want you to consider, though, and that's the scorn. Not just the stress and not just the suffering, but the scorn that came as the the very people for whom he's doing this is standing at the foot of the cross. Very few supporters, very few people that are crying for what he's going through. People who are saying things like, you think you can save us? You can't even save yourself. Why don't you come down from that cross? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Hey, he's calling for Elijah. Let's see. Let's just wait and see if Elijah's going to come save him. Those very people who offer scorn. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They They don't even know what they're doing. Then there's the scorn from, not just from the earth, but the scorn from heaven. The Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not calling out to Elijah, he's calling out to the Father. And he's, and he's expressing verses out of John chapter, I mean, out of uh, Psalm number 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why had he forsaken him? Because of the sin that he bore. The sin that he bore is not his. The sin that he bears is mine. I am the reason he's on the cross. I don't pretend to understand this. I don't pretend to be able to explain this. How the unity of the Godhead can be broken in that moment. You know what it's like to feel distance from God. But Jesus didn't. You know what it's like to feel the guilt and the shame that accompanies your sin. But Jesus didn't. Maybe as, as hard as the physical suffering is the spiritual devastation it's taking place in Jesus' own heart. Just because salvation is free for you doesn't mean that it's free of cost. And if you lived a thousand lifetimes and lived a life of absolute gratitude to God, you could never repay Him for what He's done for you. So why not just do something? Love endured that great cost. The greatest gift is Christ. The greatest gift is a product of the greatest cause, which is love. The greatest gift bore the greatest cost, which is the cross. And then fourthly and finally, the greatest gift presents the greatest 
choice. You're still there? John chapter 3, and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Let's let's take a pause there for a moment. We studied Romans chapter 8 through home groups last time. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Do you remember what it says? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is that verse there? Because this verse is here. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. I just saw on Facebook, maybe it was, maybe it was one day last week, and a lady is talking to her husband and says, what did the doctor say? And he said, well, he sent me a code on my phone. It's the code that I need for my medicine. She said, well, give me your password before you pass away. And he said, well, maybe I'll be okay. (laughs) In other words, I ain't giving you my password. I don't want anybody to know. Even we as believers love our secrets. Love for people not to know what's going on. The truth of the matter is this. It's because of the sinfulness that we still have and hold on to. Evil always loves darkness. It never loves the exposing light. But the light that exposes the sin is necessary, isn't it? That leads us then to a choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, here's, the, here's, here's then what follows up, that whoever, whosoever, would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The truth is that you choose Christ or you choose yourself. Choose life or I choose death. I choose light or I choose darkness. I choose his goodness, his righteousness, or I choose the evil that I'm comfortable with in my own life. There was a little boy in Sunday school who was trying to quote the verse that you quoted earlier. And he referred to God's only forgotten son. (laughs) I'm afraid that's a little too true, isn't it? Even at Christmas. Even when everything is supposed to be pointed on the incarnation of God. We still celebrate the only forgotten son of God. And we can't let that happen. If you've not made that choice to choose Christ, you should do that today. Do it just like Sarah did this morning. 
in all likelihood, you've already made that choice. But what do you do with it? How do you, how do you live that out? If Jesus put on flesh, how do you put, your fe- or put flesh on your faith? That's the greatest choice, isn't it? I want you to make it. I want you to make it right now. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Jesus, first of all, we say thank you. In a similar way to any gift that we might receive, we see you offering and extending this free gift of eternal life. And so we receive it, and we say thank you for it. Your word says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. We believe. We trust you. We turn from our sins, we turn from that darkness, we turn towards you, and ask that you would help us to live a life that pleases you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless us in this moment through your Holy Spirit who indwells and abides in every believer in this room that you through your love that constrains us would compel us to live rightly and to keep you in the forefront, not just of Christmas, but of every single day. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite This year at Brit Table, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who in souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.